0: All right. Good morning, church. Uh, It's great to see everybody. A lot of friendly faces and uh, great way to start out a Sunday for sure. Fellowship with God and also to fellowship with this group here. So thanks for being here. Uh, Let's open up in prayer. Uh, Lord, uh, you know, we know you, Lord, and we just are thankful for your sweet spirit, Lord. We're thankful that uh, you chose us. You're with us. You reside in our hearts. You give us wisdom in our heads. And uh, your sweet, loving spirit just comes inside of us, Lord. As we uh, fellowship here today and we hear the word from Brother John and uh, worship you, Jesus. uh, Again, I pray that everybody just gets filled by you. And um, they just feel that sweet presence of the Holy Spirit while they're here. And also, may any wisdom that needs to come into our brains, pass that in there, Lord. I pray that anybody has questions, they get answered today. And I pray that anybody that has holes in their hearts, that that gets filled, Lord Jesus. Let them know that you are the king, the authority, but also the lover of our souls. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Let's start out with some uh, worship. Here's uh, Sister Sarah coming up here to uh, start it out.
1: Good morning. You can stand, you can sit, just be free in your worship this morning. We're going to do the first opening song, and it's going to be Great is Thy Faithfulness. To remember this morning what he's done for you. When you struggle, he's still there. He is our God. Great is thy faithfulness, O
2: God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, Thy compassions they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever wilt be. Great is Thy faithfulness, great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. we to-
1: needs, you know, and people go through things, we're going through stuff, and to remember and to sing because songs come from the heart to remind ourselves how faithful God is, even when we go, why, where, where are you? He is faithful. He is still there.
0: That's a good word. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. So these are announcements. Um, So anyway, on Wednesday nights, we've been doing Bible study uh, led by uh, Brother Dennis over there. Real good showing last week and uh, real Christianity from John's letters is what we're talking about. Um, Bible study is special. One thing that's great is it does give you the opportunity to uh, ask questions. Also, if God puts something on your heart, you can speak about it. It can bring some clarity. And there's just a great moment of sharing over the scriptures. And then having a uh, fantastic teacher like Dennis that can take us through those uh, and answer those questions is also fantastic. So, uh, yeah, great time. Uh, 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights, and that's downstairs. Uh, 9 a.m. Sunday, same thing. We have Sunday School, which Jerry uh, Windsor is hosting. And that's In the Footsteps of the Savior by Max Lucado. And that starts at 9 a.m. on Sundays, and uh, coffee's still there, right? Yes, so anyway, yeah, good group there, too. Um, Preaching today will be Brother John Bishop, and we thank you uh, for stepping up, and uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, we know God will deliver the word through you strongly. Thank you. Um, Sounds like uh, we had the senior potluck last week. How'd that go, Lionel? Everything went well? Good deal. Okay, sounds like everybody got fed, right? And spiritually and food-wise, right? I mean, that's the way that works out. Yeah, that's good. All right. Okay. Well, coming up, more food. Sandwich Sunday is February 4th. So I believe that's two weeks from today. So anyway, uh, we greet, we meet each other. I guess we get together downstairs. And uh, since it's Valentine's Month, again, uh, the theme is it's a potluck. It's food you love. So bring food you love. Okay. Um, next week, Sunday, we're going to have a brief business meeting after service. So those of you that are in membership, uh, again, we're not going to keep you too long, but we will keep you for a few minutes, so stick around after that. And actually, we just have to do some church business because usually we have a little more of a full-blown annual business meeting. But based on us being in transition for a pastor, we're going to vote to push that off to April 28th. But by our bylaws, we have to hold an annual business meeting in January. But it is OK if the membership votes to push it off to April 28th, which is what we'll do. And why are we pushing it off? One is we're in transition for a pastor. So hopefully, when we have our annual business meeting, we'll have a pastor installed by that. And then also, that'll give us a better sense of what the budget's going to be and everything else for April 28th. So please show up for that. Um, Your church board has been working behind the scenes. Uh, We've been working very hard. We've been getting together every week. Um, We actually have been doing a pastor search, and we've been interviewing an individual and uh, and his family. And we should have more news on that next week. So I just want to let you know that. So that's kind of an enticement to be here next week, right? So anyway, giving you some bait as far as that stuff goes. Um, Children's church. Yes, it is our goal, the board and the church, to reestablish children's church. Um, that is on hold right now, but we do foresee, and actually that will probably be a requirement of when we do have a new pastor installed. Again, that's part of the interview discussions of what Children's Church is going to look like and how that's going to go. And that's part of basically, uh, that'll be a foundation for this church, but it is on hold right now. But once we do get a new pastor installed, we see that livening up. Well, that will be going again. Okay, so anyway, we are doing that. So want you to know about that. Um, <clears throat> As far as, uh, I think that's about it. I don't know if I've missed anything at all. But again, thanks for being here. And now it's time for meet and greet. So we're going to give you five minutes to kind of hang out and talk to each other. And then we'll resume worship after that. Okay, thanks. Mount Zion Church. And while you're getting seated, a few things. I'm uh, going to have Jerry Windsor come up and pray for the offering. And then uh, during worship, uh, you will see some people by the altar here. And um, yeah, they're going to be there to pray with you if you want prayer. And I would always encourage anybody to come up for prayer. Um, First of all, it's scriptural, (laughs) that you get together with your brothers and sisters, where two or more agree. you know, God's kind of put that out there that, uh, and it's great to pray alone, but, uh, God also wants us to be sharing with each other in prayer and actually coming together, just like we partner with God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, how we partner with that. Uh, he also wants us partnering together as brothers and sisters and, uh, crying out to him and talking to him and, uh, sending our request up to him. So don't be embarrassed to come up there to pray with somebody and, uh, Actually, usually you'll find out that it's fairly refreshing, but I'll leave that all up to you. But anyway, that'll be going on during worship. And here is Jerry Windsor to pray for the offering today.
2: Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We ask that you know that our situation here in the church and that you're in charge and you own the thousand cattle on the hill and that we will make it through, Lord Jesus. But we do need... To keep in mind that we still need to keep the doors open and the lights on and able to come every Sunday, Wednesday night to before you, Lord Jesus. So we ask this to, for you to come before the Lord and, and issue your tithe for the church and for the body as well, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your son's most precious name. Amen.
0: Thank you, Jerry. All right, Sister Sari, come on up.
1: Again, we believe in freedom of worship. So however the Holy Spirit leads you to worship this morning.
3: You're outliving living hope Your presence I've tasted I'm and seen Of the sweetest of loves Where, where my heart, heart becomes, becomes free, free. And, and my shame, shame is, is under.
0: Sir reintroduce Brother John. He's going to be doing our sermon today. So thank you, Brother John. I'm going to
4: uh, mess with my phone here for a moment. Sorry. Here we go. I've got to turn it this way so I can actually read it. I have to wait for the phone. (laughs) <laughs> you know, electronics are always supposed to be the best thing, right? And then and then when they don't work, then you're like, yeah, yeah, your heart starts doing a little bit of palp- palpitations. Like, you're wondering if you need to call 911. <laughs> anyway, it's like, you know, it's funny, you know, being a paramedic uh, for, oh my goodness, over four y- 30, 30 years, and, uh, and I don't even want to think about that because it makes me feel so old. I still feel like I'm 27. You know, when I started uh, working with EMS and 911 and all of those different things, uh, you know, it was, uh, I was 27. And so in my brain, I still think I'm 27 until I have to do something that, <laughs> uh, I mean, my body reminds me that I'm not 27, right? Especially like when my son Stephen decides to take us on what he calls an adventure hike, and and most of it's uphill, and and you know three quarters of the way up the hill, you're like, ah, ah, ah. and you're know, like, you realize you're not 27, Ah, uh, but. I'm sorry, I'm I'm digressing from my sermon but I think it's kinda of fun anyway. Uh but but you know, I get up in the morning and the first thing you do is you go into the you know, you go into the facilities, into the bathroom, and uh, you look in the mirror and there's many, many times I look at in the mirror and I go, Oh, There's an old guy looking at me in the mirror <laughs> you know, and then oh it's you Oh, okay. It's kind of like one of those, t- uh, there's recently, I forget what commercial it is, but you'll remember, I'm sure, uh, is, uh, you know, it's a guy looking on the other side of the mirror talking to the person in the bathroom. Now, let me tell you, that's kind of creepy if you think about, it. you know, somebody can actually look through your mirror in the, when you're in the bathroom. But anyway, okay, uh, not very sanctified, but the, uh, you know, this thing is, is I don't know where you are. And you don't know where I am. And being a new person in the area coming in from Nebraska, you kind of might think you know what it's like to live near Chimney Rock in Nebraska. But unless you've actually lived there, you probably don't know. And you know, you might think you know what it's like to be the son of a Master Sergeant of the Marine Corps. But you may not really know. And uh, you might not know what it was like to live in the house, my house, under my father, who was a Master Sergeant in Marine Corps. You see, and so I don't know where you're coming from, and I, and you don't know where I'm coming from, but God knows where we are. God knows where we are, and there 's a, a a song and but I just want to I just want to read the lyrics, okay because you might be and, and I realize that this is being recorded right so it 's going out on the internet, and how I know that is is the first Sunday morning, I preached. I got in here over the ice and the snow. And it was, it was wonderful. I felt like the U.S. mailman through the snow, through the ice, through the mud. You know, the, the mail will be alert, Hey And I uh, got here on Sunday morning. And, and, uh, and then I, I got a lot of messages through that week. You know, I didn't get to come, but I listened on the Internet. And so I don't know, we don't know as a group, how many people are being reached through that ministry. And we don't know where they're coming from. Okay? So I want to read these lyrics because these lyrics speak to, I think, every section of people's lives. It was written by Chris Rice. And he actually entitled it, The Untitled Hymn. So if you want to look it up on Google it, Google search it and listen to it. It's really some beautiful music. But I love these lyrics. Weak and wounded sinner. Lost and left to die. Oh raise your head. For love is passing by. Come to Jesus. Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and live. Don't you think about the Good Samaritan story? Lost and left to die. Maybe there's somebody out there that feels like they're lost and left to die. Raise your head for love is passing by. Call out to the name of Jesus You can turn me off If, if that's you You can turn me off from here I, I hope you don't turn me off But you can turn me off right now And you could pray to Jesus And Jesus will meet your need If you're here And you're very very good At hiding your troubles And your situation And you need to call on Jesus Because you're in some Deep stuff call on Jesus he will help you next section of life right now your burdens are lifted and carried far away the precious blood has washed away the stain so sing to Jesus sing to Jesus sing to Jesus and You know, there's something about singing that brings us right into the presence of the Holy of Holies of Heaven. And yes, we're still in this world. But what is it when we start singing songs like Alleluia 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 hallelujah and we sing songs like that and some way only God knows he communicates through our minds and into our hearts and into our spirits and our spirits communicate with the Lord that's what we can do once we ask Jesus for help and ask him into our hearts Now we have a fellowship with him and we can sing. We can sing because we have been freed and we have been liberated. We may not be without a situations. So maybe you're at this point. Like a newborn baby, don't be afraid to crawl. And remember when you walk, sometimes you fall. So fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus, and live. You know, we can come to the Lord, and we can ask him into our heart, and we are trying to do what we, and I think maybe that's kind of what the problem is, is we don't live in that relationship, right? Right? And so we, 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 we go back to the performance, like, I've got to perform. I've got to perform to this standard. And so we see the saints, and they're doing such a good job. We see the preacher. We see the deacons. We see the Sunday school teachers. We see those people who have been in church and loved the Lord Jesus all of their lives. And we see that they're just like, wow, they're like way up here. And we're not supposed to put them on a pedestal, but what we do, right? Because we want them as our mentors. And, but, but we're just a little baby, and we're just learning how to crawl. I know all about this because my little granddaughter, you know, she's just learning how to turn over. And she's got everything except for her head. Her head doesn't want to do it yet. And she's like so close. In fact, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the next couple of days. But don't be afraid to crawl. Yes, you see Olympic runners all around you, right? But as a new Christian, don't be afraid to crawl. And then when you start to walk... I, have you ever been a parent? I've got to stay over here because I'll get out of the... Get out of the, uh, the uh, whatever that thing is up there, the camera. Uh, but have you ever seen, you know, kids when they first start crawling? And that's why we call them toddlers, right? Because they're like, and they're holding on to things. And then, and then one day they let go. And you're like, huh! and then they grab on. And then they let go. Christianity and living the Christian life is like that. And then once you start walking, you fall down. How about when you started riding a bike? How many times did you crash on your bike? I mean, this is really important stuff to learn when you're young. When your bones are pliable and there's lots of cartilage in there that's pliable. And you don't try to do that like when you're 80. Because if you do, things break. Uh, but I had
3: some,
4: I had some magnificent uh, bicycle crashes when I was in, in childhood. And, and I hate to say it, but sometimes even when you get a little bit older, when you walk, you fall, right? Fall on Jesus, though, in your spiritual life. If, if you're walking along and, and you get tripped up, don't just lay there. Fall on Jesus. In other words, Jesus, I've fallen. I recognize I've done something that just wasn't right. I, I, I'm Lord, lift me up and walk with me. And Lord, if you need to carry me for a little bit because I've skinned up my knee pretty bad or my elbow, Lord, walk with me. Sometimes the le- the way is lonely and steep and filled with pain, so if your sky is dark and pours a the rain, then cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus and live folks jesus didn't say that it was going to be roses and and flowers and Beautiful sunny skies all the days of our life when we came to know him. In fact, he said that we would have some trials and we'd have tribulations. There'd be things that would happen. That when we started to name him as our Savior, that people would persecute us. He even included that in the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. And they say all kinds of bad things about you because of me. And so there's going to be those times of those days of rain, those days of loss, those days of discouragement. Don't turn to the world for your, for your help. Turn to Jesus. Cry to Jesus. I love this verse most, actually. Well, this one and the next one. Oh, when the love spills over and music fills the night, and when you can't contain your joy inside, then dance for Jesus. Dance for Jesus. Dance for Jesus. You know, God wants us to be happy. He wants us to have those times of sunshine and joy. I think of my, um, she's in heaven now, but I think of my mother-in-law, and she was not a dancer. And you know, if you asked her early in her life if she wanted to go to a dance, she'd say no. In fact, she would encourage you not to go. Uh, but I remember her dancing at my son's wedding. And I remember her dancing at her granddaughter's wedding. And those are some of the dearest memories in my mind of her because she smiled ear to ear. And love was filling the air. And music was filling the night. And she couldn't contain the joy inside. And so she danced. She danced for Jesus. She really did. Even though it was in a, at, a, at a wedding, she was dancing because she was so happy and blessed by what God had done in her family, and with her grandchildren. I think she's dancing up up in heaven. With your final heartbeat, kiss the world goodbye. Then go in peace and laugh on glory's side. And fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus and live. Fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus and live. You know, we live in a society that is so scared to death. So scared and not wanting to even know what happens when the last heartbeat occurs after what that last heartbeat does that we run from it and we try to make an alternate reality so that we think that maybe that's what it's going to be I'm telling you there is only one reality after that heartbeat And that is eternity. And for the Christian, when that last heartbeat happens, whenever that is, whether it's in a young person's life, a middle-aged person's life, or an older person's life, when you have Jesus in your heart, when your heart stops, and it's the end of this life here on earth, You walk through a door, and you're in the presence of Jesus. You're in the presence of the one who died for you. He loved you so much that he died for you. And you're in the presence of him, and you realize that the person, the Lord, the God, that you have been praying to and worshiping all of your life... Or even just for a few minutes before you died. is there with you. And your eternal life has continued, right? Has continued into, into that beautiful, blessed presence of God. That we can't even explain. I can't even describe to you. All I know is it's really, 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 really. I could just keep on going and say really good, full of peace, and full of love. This morning the text I would like to share with you comes from Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. It's interesting because in the King James Version it says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. In the King, in the New International Version it's translated this way, but they who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, I always heard wait on the Lord. And then I realized that the Hebrew word here must have meant in a way that this wait was filled with hope. And you say, well, what is hope? Well, I've got 15 minutes to explain this to you so get ready put on your running shoes mentally running okay here we go what is hope well let me tell you what it there's a lot of people use the word hope and in college i learned this thing it's called semantics semantics what it basically means is that you can use words and and somebody like Bob, who is an educated manager, he might see that word as meaning a certain thing. And if I talk to somebody that was uh, a uh, preschool uh, student, uh, he might take that word as a completely different thing. Uh, if I talk to someone who was uh, Hispanic, even though they knew English, uh, I might use a word. And they might think that word means a completely different thing. So the world looks at hope, the word hope, and tries to define it. And there is a couple types of hope that we're not talking about here in this scripture. And let me just say number one. Number one is wishful hope. The hope that we're talking about in Isaiah forty thirty one is not a wishful hope. And you say, well, well I always thought that hope was kind of like wishing. Well, let me just give, give you a, a definition or an illustration. If I go down to the local store and I get a lottery ticket and I put down the little numbers or however you do that, because I've, I've never done it, but I'm sorry, I wish... Which i for this purpose of this illustration i 've done this, uh, but anyway you you put in the put in the information that you need to, and it goes in and and you 're like wishing because you have a great financial need that you get the lottery the lottery hits on you and you get millions of dollars or 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 uh, You know, you're a little kid and you say, oh, I just wish that mom and dad would get me a red wagon. And maybe mom and dad have no idea that you want a red wagon. Now, you know, if mom and dad know that you want a red wagon, then that might be a whole different thing, right? They might go ahead and, and see if they could do that for you. But if they didn't know and you were just wishing it in yourself probably a good chance that it's not going to happen because it's just a wish. It's wishful. Second type of hope is, hope is defined by, is expected hope. Expectant hope is when the farmer goes out with his seeds and he plants the seed. He tills the ground. He waits for the soil temperature to be just right, uh, the moisture of the soil to be just right. He goes out, and he plants a seed. I know about this because I'm from Nebraska, so know a little bit, not that much. Ask any of the, my Nebraskan friends, and they say, no, he absolutely doesn't know a lot. Uh, some, of, some of my most best friends. Um, But anyway I know enough to know that the soil has to be a certain temperature. It's got to be tilled or at least disturbed and then they plant the corn in there. And uh, so and then they expect that there might be something come up. If they've done everything right then they kind of expect it. If, If you go to a financial planner and he says, "Well, you know nothing 's guaranteed, but if you put your ten thousand dollars in this mutual fund uh, by looking at the track record of the of this of the uh, investment here, uh, you might be able to get a certain rate of interest of increase on your ten thousand dollars, so you expect that." that $10,000 will grow and that whenever you decide to pull it out or you ever have to use it that there'll be more money than the $10,000 that you put into that investment. That is expectant hope. It's not guaranteed. There's even expectant hope when it happens when there's a little baby and there's a pregnancy. And we all know we're all so excited for the person and they're expecting and we all expect that there'll be at the end of this pregnancy a beautiful baby, healthy, and a blessing to that family. But we also know that sometimes that doesn't happen. So we can do everything that is right scientifically, think our minds out, think, think it out, figure it out, plan it out, make all the right decisions, and expect something to happen, and you know and I know that we live in an imperfect will, world, and that doesn't necessarily ever happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen. So, what type of hope am I talking about? I'm talking about a hope that is centered, secured, anchored in God's word. What God promises in his word, he will do. But, John, you don't know where I am. You don't know where I am. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know the challenges that I have right now. The doctor just gave me a really bad report. My financial planner told me that I have lost money, I have children that are having great difficulties i have lost my job and i don't know how i'm going to support my family i understand my wife asked me if i was ready for the sermon this morning and i told her yes i am i'm living this sermon this morning sometimes when god tells you to do something and you do it, sometimes it looks like, in fact, I'm trying to find pictures, I'm trying, please somebody uh, help me out after the service, service. if you can give me, I, I would love to have this, where somebody, through faith, was following God when he told them to do something, and that they didn't, through that process, have to white knuckle, some part of that adventure. You know, I kind of thought a couple times in the last two months that I would like to be like Bilbo Baggins, uh, the hobbit, where, where he stayed in his little house in the, in the crook of the hill uh, where everything was nice and warm and everything was very, very day-to-day. Everything was the same all the time. And he didn't have to worry about, oh my goodness, bad stuff, adventure. But God doesn't call us to mediocrity. He calls us to excellence. And when he calls us to excellence, somehow adventure gets in there. He called Moses to free the Israelites. When Moses was, he was, I think he was pretty content out there. Uh, minding the sheep. He called David to go and slay slay Goliath when David was probably pretty content in minding the sheep. I think about all of these characters and I think about Gideon. (laughs) Gideon hiding on the threshing floor because the enemies would come in and steal their food and attack. So he went down and he was, he was threshing some wheat so that he could have some bread so that he could eat and so he wouldn't starve. And God appears and says, Almighty warrior. And Gideon, don't you think Gideon was like, um, other than uh, what part of warrior don't you understand, God? But God was calling him to excellence and adventure. Think about this. Moses has led the Israelites out. Out to the edge of the Red Sea. Pharaoh has changed his mind. Not only that, Pharaoh and all of the people that were with him in their chariots with the arrows and spears and swords and all of that hadn't lost the firstborn of their child, their family. So do you not think that they were really intent on completely wiping out every Israelite that was alive on the shore of that Red Sea? There's no doubt in my mind, they were ready, and they were willing, and they were pumped. And God put himself in between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And then told Moses to do something that just was so crazy it didn't make any sense. It wasn't expecting hope. It wasn't wishful hope. It was, I'm going to believe because you said it, God, hope. And there was a lot of faith there. But you had to have hope first. You had to, you had to believe it. You had to hope. Put your rod over the, spread it, you know, put it out there over the water. And I'll separate the waters, Moses. And Moses did it. And God did it. And they walked over on dry land. But let me tell you the minutes and the hours between when God separated the waters and uh, it, the Egyptians were coming and they could see, those were not fun. It was not fun when God told Gideon, oh, you don't need that many guys. Send them home. Oh, you don't need that many guys. Send them home. And then, oh, no, you don't have to worry about it. Just get some, some lamps and some trumpets and surround and do this. And Gideon's like, this is, this, this is the weirdest battle plan I've ever. God, what are you talking about? Do you think that Gideon might have been like, having a little bit of heart palpitations. (laughs) I think about Paul and Silas did everything God told them to do and they got thrown, they got beat and their their skin was, I I don't want to get too graphic, but their skin was totally chewed up on their backs from being whipped. It wasn't like, oh, whip, whip, whip. I mean, it was bad. And then they hung them up, basically suspended them from the ceiling in chains. If you've you've ever seen pictures of that prison where they were. and, And suspended them by their arms in chains. And they were hanging there. And they were in pain. And in the midst of that, they just started singing praises to God. To the point that the other prisoners heard them. That is not wishful hope, and that is not expectant hope. That is just knowing that God is there with them, in the midst of their pain. And then what happened? God arrived. God arrived, and there was an earthquake and, they, and their chains fell off, and it was such an event it, it opened up all the doors to the prison. And what happened? The jailer and all his family were saved. They came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Sometimes God may lead you. If you say, God, I want to see people saved for you. I want to reach my community. I want this church to become more than it is right now. God says, Do you really? Do you really want that? Because it may mean that you're going to be getting out of your comfort zone. It may mean that you'll have to sacrifice some things. It may mean that you'll be on an adventure and to do great things for me, you're going to have to you're going to have some white-knuckle times. Because God, if you don't come through, this isn't, going to, this isn't going to be pretty. But I want you to know, according to the Word of God, He says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. If you're following God, you're trusting God, you're listening to God, you have a dream, God will be there and he will help you. Psalms 18.1 says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn or the strength of my salvation. gotta end this up because I'm looking at the clock. There was a young pastor in Philadelphia. His wife was in labor in the hospital. This was many years ago. The doctor came to him in the waiting room and he said, you have to make a choice. I can save your wife or I can save the baby. I cannot save both. That young pastor had a decision to make. He had to make a decision based on the information that he had. And the choices that he had were not good. That young pastor could have told that doctor at that time all right, save my wife, or all right, save the baby. But that young pastor, in that moment, thanked God in heaven for his grace. Because he was walking with God, because he had faith in God, because his hope was not rooted in expectant hope or wishful hope, but in the God of the universe, he said to that doctor, who couldn't believe this answer, doctor, save them both, and I will go to God and ask him to do that. He left. Now, I don't know about you ladies, but you know, if your husband was in the waiting room and then he left the waiting room in the hospital and left. But he left and went back to their house in Philadelphia, their place where they live, Got down on his knees in the kitchen and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed before the Lord. Lord, save my wife. Save the baby helped the doctor save both of them. A neighbor across the street, at the same time as he was praying, saw someone on the roof of his home walking back and forth. The neighbor thought that it was a burglar or someone trying to break into the home. So the neighbor went and got a weapon. And was going to shout to the person to challenge them to let them know that somebody saw them, right? because it was nighttime, and he saw the light in the kitchen of the home, so he knew someone was home, and when he shouted at this person on the roof with weapon in hand, he was immediately knocked to the ground, immediately knocked to the ground, with weapon in hand. At that very moment, the phone rang in that home. And the doctor said, your wife is well, and you have a new baby. The only explanation that that young preacher could give their neighbor was that maybe it was the angel of the Lord that was there while he was praying making intercession to God himself for his family you say well that's a fantastic story John how do you know that's true because I had an uncle that was a result of that prayer. That happened to my grandfather. My grandfather, Samuel Benson, was that pastor, preacher. Sometimes God does wonderful things in our lives. But sometimes, most times, almost would say 99% of the time, we're white-knuckling it through that part. And that's why it's such a blessing and such a miracle. We have to trust in God. We have to believe it. We, We know that wishes don't always come true. We know that our expectations a lot of times are dashed. Sometimes it seems that everything around us laughs at our faith in God. But I want to ask you this question. Will we dare to hope in a God who died for us, who loves us, who rose again from the grave so that we could have life eternal with him? Do we have that hope in us so that we know that God's plan for us is a good plan? That his plan will bring life to those, not only ourselves, but those around us. This morning, I would challenge you And I challenge myself. You just absolutely don't know where I am right now. I challenge you and I challenge myself to hang on to God with both hands. Get into that prayer closet and pray. Pray for the things that you need. If it is storming outside, then God is ready to do a miracle. If if you've got things going on in your heart and it's storming on the inside, God is ready to do a miracle. God is ready. Hope in Him. Hope in the Scriptures and what God says in his bible in his word in the bible about what he will do for you and he will surely do it because he is not a man that he would repent of his decision to bless your life and he wants to bless your life let's pray dear heavenly father Thank you for your word. Lord, I don't know who's listening to this sermon, but they may be in the deepest, darkest dungeon in their mind that they've ever experienced. But Lord, there's only one hope. Lord, the only hope there is, is you. If we cry to you, Jesus... You will hear us, and you will meet our needs. Lord, I pray that you will meet our needs. I stand here as a witness that you have met the needs of my family down through the years. Into my father's life and my grandfather's life, you have moved miraculously. Lord, I have seen you move in churches. I have seen you move in fellowships when they had great challenges ahead of them. But Lord, because they relied on the hope that is in you and in the faith that you had given them and the amazing grace that you empowered them with through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, they had victory. We grasp onto that. We remember that. And we know who you are. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, if we need you in our lives, Lord, come into our hearts and forgive us of our sins. Become our Lord. Become our Savior. Become our King. And Lord, if we're walking with you and it seems so dark, and there is no hope, Lord, in the world or in our expectations, our dreams seem to be fading away. Lord, I pray that you will bring light. You will bring a miracle. You will part the sea. Lord, you will meet the need. You will win the battle for us. And Lord, if there is some saint there, out there, listen to this because they can't come to church because they're so ill. And they're wondering, is this going to be the end? Am I not going to get well? Lord, please explain and give them the hope in their body and in their heart and mind that their body may fail, but the life in Jesus will continue to live on. And they have a wonderful place that you have prepared for them. Lord, I pray that you would bless us, touch us, and lead us. Bless us this week and keep us safe. Lord, that you would show us what to do and what not to do. Help us to be lights to this community. Help us to make a difference in people's lives that we touch. And we thank you, Lord, for all these things, because, Jesus, all the glory goes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, that was a great word, Brother John. Thanks for bringing it. I know it spoke to me. Anyway, um, we're at the end of our service today, and we hope to see you next week. So you're dismissed. And remember, we have a business meeting next week, and then we have Bible study on Wednesday. And uh, thank you for being here, and I hope you were as touched as I was by the word today that Brother John delivered. Thank you again. In Jesus' name, we just wish everybody safe journeys, and... uh, Lord, may we carry the word with us and carry your spirit with us as we go in the world, Lord. And uh, give us that courage and that hope, Lord God, and that confidence in you, Lord God, that just brings such joy and peace as we go into the world after we leave today. In Jesus' name I pray this prayer. Amen.